Hey friends, today's episode of the Music Stuff Show is a special one. A few weeks ago, Vance and I did a full episode on a company I had just discovered at the time called Amuse. Amuse is a distribution platform to get your music onto Spotify, Google Play, Apple Music, Tidal, Deezer, all the big ones. Um, I came across it, I was really intrigued by it. And I brought it to Vance, and Vance was super pumped about it too. And we did an entire episode on why we thought this was an incredibly cool platform and kind of what we felt to be the future of distribution. So we did the episode, we released it, and Vance very intelligently tweeted them on Twitter and said, hey, we just did a full episode on your company, Uh, we're big fans. And... In reply to that, the CEO of the company contacted Vance and said, holy cow, I've never heard anyone describe Amuse so well before. I would love to be on the podcast. And we were like freaking out. Like, what? Are you kidding me? Is this real? Because our podcast is still pretty small. And we were like, why does this guy, this guy really wants to be on our show? Holy crap. So fast forward. We made it happen. His name is Diego Farias, and he is on the show this week. We interviewed him via Skype when he was at South by Southwest, so apologies for any audio inconsistencies, but this is an incredibly fun episode, and he was such a treat to talk to. He is the coolest dude, and it made both of us believe in what Amuse is doing even more after a conversation with him. So... Here it is, our conversation with Diego, co-founder and CEO of Amuse. Hope you enjoy. We are here trying to help stimulate the middle class with music. Stop pressing CDs. What is the reason people don't hit publish? Fear. Consistent, quality content. Hey guys, Vance and I want to answer your questions. Hit us up on Twitter at VanceFight and at Tom Dupree the Third and use the hashtag MusicStuffShow. Whether it's an idea for an episode or you just want a quick reply, we want to help. Well, welcome to the Music Stuff Show, where we break down the business of music to help you build a career doing what you love. Today is a special day. We have a very awesome guest on the show, Mr. Diego Farias, who is the co-founder and CEO of Amuse. Hello. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. How did our yeah. podcast get you on here? This is so cool. Yeah. I'm so excited that you're here. Man. I guess I guess Twitter is still relevant in some people's yeah. lives. Us it's three true. being you know, some of those. <laughs> yeah. so. Twitter's great when it's great. Like if you stay yeah. away from all just like the attacking, just fighting away at people, Twitter is awesome. My but. first thought was to send some Russian uh, Twitter bots your direction. <laughs> this would be a better way. Of getting too, soon. To too soon. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, music stuff show running for office. Oh, Always. Right. Yeah, man. We got plans. <laughs> Taking over the world. All right. We're going to get it out of the way because we always got to do it. But today is random fact. Which I feel like wasn't super intentional. Uh, Diego's been at South by this week, uh, and while it's not about Texas, I feel like it's relevant in Texas. Did you know armadillo shells are bulletproof? What? 
Yeah. Well, actually, okay, so I did know that. And it's only because of experience, someone in my family trying to shoot an armadillo. <laughs> what constitutes as a bullet? What between oh, a nerf gun yeah. and something shot out of a tank? What are we talking I'm about? I'm sure if you shot it with a tank, it would work. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I'm sure tank doesn't work. I I mean I would assume up to nine mil has to Yeah. The, Any the standard thing, handgun. Our facts, Diego, is I, I don't really fact check our facts. I just <laughs> look on the internet for interesting headlines and then I put them out for the, for the world to uh, yeah. just kind of embrace. I, I respect that fully. Like I'm wholeheartedly behind that. All right. <laughs> so uh, if you're living under a rock and you haven't been listening to the show, uh, Diego has this super dope company that we talked about a couple weeks ago, which is honestly how this whole thing sparked. If you care about the timeline, uh, mm-hmm. I heard the name bounced around a couple times, but honestly you just hadn't looked into it yet. Uh, Tom sends me an article on the Twitters, I believe is how this came up and was like, this is really dope. We should talk about this. And so then I looked into it too. And we sat down and we all, we just made an entire episode about your company without ever having used it, uh, purely on speculation and what we saw. And we were super, super into it. And then you hit us up on Twitter and here we are. And moral of the story, we love what you're doing and wanted to tell more people about it because we think it's a great tool for the indie artists. And we have since started using it as well. So that's cool. We're not yeah, users. actually used it. I was going to use it yeah. soon for something that's coming up shortly. Well, well, all of this is insanely humbling, of course. And I, I appreciate getting the opportunity to be on and talk to you and, uh, and just uh, answer any questions you might have and, and any thoughts or any you know, concerns you might have too or, or any advice on, on where we could take this in the future. So really yeah. curious to see how this conversation goes. Absolutely. Cool. Um, so just as a baseline, even though I feel yep. like people should know what Amuse is since we've talked about it before, but just if for whatever reason it's somebody's first time listening to our show, what is Amuse? So I like to, uh, usually when I answer this question, I will rewind and take us back to why we started the company. So the idea when, when Amuse was founded was to answer a fairly fundamental and perhaps somewhat existential question, which was, what is a record label? Mm-hmm. What should a record label be doing going forward? This was uh, early 2016, uh, so you know a lot of a lot of stuff has changed. But the music industry is a slow changing beast, so it's not it's not like everything has been overhauled since. But I think the the the, the insight back then was that the um, the music industry hasn't necessarily changed with the times. Um, that goes for both record companies and distribution companies, and we figured that. using common sense, we might solve some of the other ones. And being transparent, open, honest, like Swedes are, I guess, um, that would probably take us the rest of the way. So between all of those um, insights, we founded Amuse. And Amuse, the idea behind Amuse is, or the the Amuse product, um, the way it looks ever since then, is that Amuse is a record label built on top of a distribution platform. Between those two layers, there is um, this really cool data layer. Um, we built uh, our own data system. We call it Lil Data. It's a homage to all the uh, SoundCloud rappers of the world. Um, <laughs> nice. Between the group and the distribution service is this really, really cool uh, data data solution that that's basically tracking uh, different types of 
different types of patterns, trying to figure out why songs are growing, why artists are getting attention. And then based on that information, we take different types of decisions. It could be to license the track into our label. We only do license deals. We don't fundamentally believe that people want to sell their rights forever, uh, mm -hmm. which might be a provocative thought in the music industry. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so that's kind of, that's what a muse is. That's how muse started. Uh, since then, we've we've continued to just develop and explore all the opportunities within this. And we're still in early stages. The company was, so, or the, the, the service, as people know it, was launched two years ago. So we're really, really in the early days of Amuse. But we continue to rely very heavily on technology, um, together with the other uh, factors that I mentioned earlier. And um, we're on, on a really good um, path right now and have had a fantastic two years. That's awesome. That's so, awesome. I'm also curious, so I did a little digging, not too crazy. Uh, I, at some point, you were at Warner, correct? Mm -hmm. And then I actually don't know much about Millicom. What, yeah. So how did you, like, you and music, where did this yeah. come from? Like, were you always, did you play in bands? Did you want to be involved in music? Did this just sort of happen? Like, where did this come from? Well, I grew up in a music family. Um, my mom is a choir singer, has been since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. uh, my younger brother plays in one of the best ska bands in the history of ska music. Shout out ska and ska. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's been doing that for 20 years, and I've had the uh, glorious uh, honor to be a, a, a groupie and a, and a fan of that band for many, many years. The groupie part, I don't want to explore too much, but um, <laughs> the fan part, very engaged fan over, over the course of 20 years. Um, so uh, I guess I guess there's always been this musical aspect of my life, but I, I started in technology in 2004. I started working for a Swedish uh, technology startup, which was basically a replica of eBay. Turns out eBay thought we were so much of a replica, they actually acquired the company back in 2007. Mm -hmm. uh, moved on from there to another super Swedish startup called Stardoll, which was an online community for uh, like a play site or a play plays and games for for young girls it turned out to be an absolute killer feature i think they they're closing down now but have some 700 million uh, registered users through the years and that was also the home of a lot of swedish technology talent so mm -hmm. uh, a big group of founders came out of the stardoll team daniel ek from spotify was the mm -hmm. first cto um, the former cto of tumblr and uh, one of the co-founders of oscar and, and the insurance company and a bunch of Swedish startup founders came out of that group of people. And um, so I was there for a few years, and then I landed in, uh, in Warner Music in uh, around late 2010 or something like that, mm -hmm. and, and joined a company which was at on the brink of, of this massive change that was taking place, which was no CDs are being sold, or rather the only CDs that are being sold are being sold to older people who drive cars and, and, and play CDs. And there was this magnificent change happening, and Warner Music were... E were fast to understand that the world was changing and they hired me to be the guy to kind of walk Warner Music through this change. So I, I spent a couple of years there, um, initiated some cool projects like, you know, this is almost 10 years ago, but we were working with uh, playlist strategies for Spotify mm -hmm. in 2010. Mm -hmm. I built Warner Music's first global um, playlist platform called Playlist Me, uh, which huh. was killed because Playlist is only 12 tracks, and then they kill this fantastic <laughs> initiative that we had built. Does, does he still so, have a job? He, he still <laughs> has a job. Not as producer, but he's a very well-paid guy at a different company. Yeah. Um, so I, I was at Warner Music, and then I, I left Warner Music and, and 
traveled around in sub-Saharan Africa with a company called Millicom. Um, and I got to experience a completely different part of the music industry, which is this incredible passion and excitement around music and, you know, tremendous volumes of music being created, but an absolute lack of a music industry with whatever fundamentals we think of when we think of the music industry. No record labels, no collection societies, no publishing companies, no, no structure, if you so wish, uh, mm -hmm. and still a thriving music business. And one of my insights when I was there in sub-Saharan Africa was that a lot of these people had all of this fantastic music and it was being distributed phone to phone. It was being distributed on, uh, you know, USB memory sticks or whatnot. Uh, it was being played on radio, played on, uh, on YouTube, but there was no way for the artists there to participate in the global music industry. There was no service that was allowing the artists to upload their music directly to the different music services. I reached out to the usual suspects, the big distribution companies. And I was like, yo, come to Africa. And mm. they were like, Africa, you say? <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, nothing really came out of that. So I was complaining back home. My wife was like, why don't you do something about it? And I quit Millicom um, and um, started Amuse. And, uh, and the idea uh, was to, to just, you know, a combination of the frustration I had in Africa together with the frustration I had from Warner. Because the frustration, frustration at Warner was as big as it was when I was in sub-Saharan Africa. I came from tech into mm -hmm. Warner and I was like, why are these guys so resistant to change? Why is there mm -hmm. no one who wants to kind of push the envelope or, or try to change or initiate something that we haven't done in the past? So you're my spirit animal. Two, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so happy about that. Um, between, between those two kind of um, life-changing, I hope that's not too hyperbolic, uh, but, you know, two life-changing experiences um, came this product that is now Amuse. And, uh, and you know when when I when I was starting this project, I did so together with uh, a co-founder team, a Swedish co-founder team, my former friends and colleagues from other businesses, and together with them, obviously, uh, this product has has evolved and become what Amuse is today. So I'm not trying to take the credit for for the Amuse journey entirely, but but um, yeah, that that kind of summarizes my background. That's awesome. Honestly, you kind of lead into my sort of next question, where uh, three years. I think to young people sometimes seems like a long time uh, in the business world <laughs> scaling. I have a lot of friends that are more in like the business world than the music world. And I, I think people sometimes don't realize how crazy the amount of growth you've seen in three years is. Mm -hmm. And aside from obviously we buy into what you're doing, uh, aside from just being a great product, why do you think you've been able to be so successful in such a short amount of time? Uh, as you're beginning to scale and grow and go internationally and like, what's the secret sauce? <laughs> what's the secret sauce? I don't I, you know, when you, when you start to, um, count one, two and three years, I guess you, you rely less on secret sauce and, and more on just, um, uh, you know, sheer will to some extent, because uh, mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. when you go through a journey that's this long, you'll, you'll inevitably find yourself in, in times that feel very, very tough and, times that are hard and times that are testing you as a, as a human, as a friend, as a husband, in my case, as a brother, as a whatever, you know, you go through these hardships where everything feels horrible, where you feel like, you know, the business isn't doing what it's supposed to do, or it's not going in the direction. Uh, we were flat broke a couple of times and, you know, the business was about to die. And, and then we've had all of these other times, which have been these, you know, where you just 
jump around like a six-year-old kid on Christmas morning and you're like, what's going on type of a feeling, you know? <laughs> so you have both of those worlds, but I think um, from the initial stages all up until now, and I hear that when I speak to, to colleagues in the company, is this feeling that, you know, there's this idealistic aspect to what we're doing, which is like, we really want to change something. We really want to do something. We want to improve something, make something better than it has been in the past. And, and there's this compassionate uh, aspect of that, which, which I think makes people go above and beyond what they're supposed to be doing. And I think that's, um, we've had a very clear idea of what we're trying to accomplish. And uh, it's, been, it's been something that people have been able to get on. And then they've applied whatever you know, values they came in with. Um, but I think that the fact that we've had a very solid idea and it's something that really uh, makes people feel passionate about what they're doing. Those two things together have taken us through good times and bad times. And, and, and I think it's going to continue to be our, um, uh, you know, our success factors going forward. That's awesome. Yeah. So, and I, I kind of feel like I know the answer to this sort of, but because you kind of alluded try, to it. You should try answering it yourself then. Well, you, you sort of alluded to it, but uh, the music industry tends to be a little archaic. <laughs> they don't really love to change. And honestly, with that, uh, they don't tend, at least outwardly, perceptively, to always care about the independent young artist that's turning up. They tend to care more about a bottom line and how you know uh, fiscally profitable an artist can be. And I feel like you guys uh, really seem to care about independent artists, artists starting out and like providing resources and platforms for them. Does that stem from, you know, coming from a family of musicians? Is that just because Swedish people are genuinely more compassionate than the rest of us? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? Because honestly, and I don't say that in a, a bad way, I think it's really, really cool. And I wish more people, uh, because for us, like we want to stimulate the middle class of music. That's like one of our big things here. And you guys seem to really provide an outlet for that. And mm -hmm. why do you care when other people don't? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think the two things are fundamentally opposed to each other. Like, I don't think there is, um, there's not, um, they're not opposite to each other. You can run a very successful business and still do it in a way that makes sense. And I think that's that's the key that has been the key for us you have to uh, if you were in my shoes you would have had numerous conversations with potential investors where the conversation is like you know why aren't you monetizing all of mm -hmm. these guys like why aren't you charging right. for all of these mm -hmm. services like why aren't your uh, license deals why don't you take a higher cut uh, and we're like you know what? we can we can start and then we can run a very successful business um by charging in a reasonable way for services that add value. Mm -hmm. And one of our earliest insights was that we don't necessarily think that we're adding so much value by creating this free distribution service. Um, maybe that's understating the importance of distribution because obviously all bands need to get their music into these different services. Um, but I think, yeah, we built that and now it's out there. Uh, we're not going to charge everyone 15, 25% or 20 bucks to upload a song that, you know, the real cost for that isn't anywhere near that. Mm -hmm. And um, right. so I think, I think for us, for us, the key has always been that 
you know, we, we think about our business in a very um, long-term way. We think that we can build uh, a business that makes sense over time. And then that, that kind of forces us to make good business decisions now. Uh, we'll build a lot of equity into the brand by providing <coughs> the best service in the world, on the best terms in the world. And that's going to generate a, a ton of business and a ton of trust and a ton of confidence from artists over time. And I think that's, that's the long-term way of thinking about it. it it's not... I don't think it has anything to do with Swedes being more compassionate or me being more compassionate from coming from a music family. I think it makes all the sense in the world from a business point of view to not kind of hunt the the low hanging fruit or or cheap bucks that you can you can get by you know running over your customers and clients initially. I don't think that's the sound way of doing it. So I think um, yeah, I hope that answers the question. But our intention, I, and I, I have to make perfectly clear, Amuse is not a charity organization. We're mm-hmm. making money, so it's not like yeah. we're we're doing this out of the kindness of our hearts, um, mm-hmm. but we—I think we—we've we, just decided that we can do this um, while still being very, very, um, you know, generous with how we're providing technology. And I think it's the, just the result of where the technology industry is. Uh, it's it's cheaper, more effective to build technology. Um, I, I understand that when you started a distribution service 15 years ago, you probably had to buy physical servers to host the music mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Obviously, all of us are probably using. Google or Amazon or something like that for for our cloud services and and the, the actual cost for handling a distribution release and then you know uploading it to the cloud forever is not so meaningful. Minimal. So yeah. <laughs> why would we charge ten bucks for it or take fifteen percent of your um, future revenues for that? It sounds absolutely crazy. Well, it sounds like y'all are investing into your own. Uh, good opinion and good decision-making in the long term by knowing that you make good choices on which artists you want to partner with, with a distribution or licensing deal, you are banking on making good choices there. And that will help fund the party for the people who are getting the service for free in the meantime. And you also get access to their data. Yeah. I think that's the, uh, uh, that's the way to summarize it, Tom. Uh, So, you know, the, the idea here being that, uh, we provide this this distribution service for free, and then at some point, one of these artists will start to pop. And right. they're gonna, they will have been using our service for free. Uh, they hopefully like what we do, uh, like our service, like using it. We'll come knocking on their door. And we don't have any advantage over anyone else except the fact that we already have a relationship where they have entrusted us with their music, where they know that we are making smart decisions, good decisions, that we are fair in our business practices. And I think that's what's going to, that's what, that's, that's an incredible aspect of Amuse that isn't perhaps highlighted so much on our websites and stuff like that. But that trust needs to come back in the music industry because I was at this yes. event yesterday with music managers forum in, in, in uh, Austin at South by, and I start talking to a couple of managers and they're like, what's the catch? I'm like, what do you mean the catch? <laughs> and they're like, no, but what's the catch? And I'm like, there's no catch. No, but what's the catch? I was like, <laughs> I'll leave you guys here with some documentation about Amuse. Come see for five minutes. Like, yeah. this is actually what's going on here. Yeah. I'm sorry it sounds crazy, but like, it's not crazy. We can run a business on this, you know, and it's uh, the trust is out the window in the music industry. There's mm-hmm. it, The industry has a long way in rebuilding this. And we don't, you know, we're not doing this to be the change agent for, for trust in the music industry, but we think that the business practices that we have enacted can, you know, at least initiate that change. Definitely yeah. setting an example for how other businesses can be operating for sure. Thanks. 
simply by positioning yourselves as the good guy, like not falsely either. You are being the good guys. And by positioning yourselves as such, you automatically set yourself apart from the rest of the pack and become a purple cow kind of basically as a business. I love that expression. I'll reuse it on (laughs) if you don't mind. Yeah, no problem. It's not mine. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, another thing with great business and building trust, y'all have a really fascinating new program that I would love to hear you talk about called fast forward. Yeah. So, I mean, as, as with everything else we've done, it stems out of two major kind of, um, force driving forces or whatever you want to call it. One is this continued belief that technology can solve a lot of stuff. Um, and the second is, uh, this continued belief in, in, if we assist uh, artists around the world in, in their needs, then sooner or later that will generate really, really good business for us over over the, a long term. And um, I think if you if you have those two things in mind when you listen to what I'm going to tell you, I think that will make perfect sense for you. So if we start with the technology aspect, um, we've been building all of this cool technology for our label for quite some time. Parts of that label has been uh, different types of predictive models. So we build models to predict where a song is going over a longer period of time so that we feel confident when we start to work with the artist that we will, you know, that this is a project uh, worthwhile for both us and the artist. So we can contribute something into the project. We can help them accelerate this and reach what, you know, whatever dreams that they had uh, going into the project. So um, we've been building that technology for some time. We've been using it behind the scenes. It hasn't necessarily been a product, you know, it's not been like a really cool product that you can just access and open and and play around with. But we figured that that technology would come in handy for all these other artists that were coming to us. And maybe they were in earlier stages of their their lifetime journey, or maybe they were in, uh, had other needs or whatever. Uh, But we were hearing a lot of people come to us and be like, you know what would really facilitate my life? I have a $200 balance right now on my account. But if I had like 1500 bucks, I could buy a guitar. Or someone has $10,000 in their account and they're like, if I had $150,000 in my account, I could shoot that video that's going to take me to the next level. Do I want to sign for that? No, not necessarily, but I, I really need this money. And the problem with music is you can't just walk into a bank and be like, yo, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, uh, Marshmallow, hi, can I have a million dollars? There's a street and uh, they'd be like, excuse you, and kind of show you the door, you know? Yeah. So the, we, we're not trying to replicate a bank business here, but the, um, the music industry has always rested on the idea of these uh, royalty advances. In the past, they've been fairly exclusive. It's been stuff that, you know, only really big artists are offered. And it's been a tool for the majors to lock down talent for a long period of time. You offer someone money and you're like, now you're in our pocket. Now you're with mm-hmm. us for five releases or whatever it is. It's mm-hmm. really, really bad contracts. And then there are these other services, Lyric Financial or whatever they might be called, that offer um, different types of loans effectively. They need to know what your balances have looked like for two years. It's a pretty intrusive business. Um, What Amuse has created is nothing of any of what I was just saying. Uh, Amuse is using this cool technology. We can now offer pretty much anyone uh, a royalty advance. They don't have to have been on our service for years. We don't need to understand everything about their personal finances. Basically, what, what we do is we know that you're going to make roughly this in the coming six months. We'd be happy to pay it out for you now. Um, you just click here. Um, 
will hold on to your um, master right. That's the only thing we're holding on to until uh, you recouped, which seems like a sensible process from my point of view. As soon as you recouped the money that we advanced you and the fee that we're charging you, because you know we're taking money out of our own pocket and providing it to you in advance, um, as soon as that rec- that's recouped, you have 100% of your master again. You have no connection to us, no ties to us, nothing. Basically, what we did was to fast forward your career, hence the name fast forward. Um, and um, the reactions so far have been insane. Like one of the first stories that came out of this was this uh, um, band from, I always say the wrong country. And I wish I wish I had a note, but <laughs> I think it's, it's either Birmingham or, or Dublin or something like that. But it, it's a, it's this fantastic band called the Blue Americans. Check them out if you haven't. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've had some success and it's been super exciting to follow them. Um, and they were going to do a show in London, I believe. Uh, and, um, you know, they, they like many um, like many artists, they didn't have the funds to be able to go there, um, you know, rent instruments or technology or whatever they needed to, to do their uh, showcase. And um, just as they're contemplating turning down this opportunity to play in front of a live audience in London, um, they get this offer from us in the phone, bling, bong, you know, on the phone, hey, you know, we're interested in offering you a little bit of your future royalties, they accept that, go to London, play the show, and I, stuff like that just warms my heart. Yeah, that's awesome. So, now, w- sorry, with Fast Forward, is it a percentage, uh, an interest-based percentage that you guys, the fee is based off of, or is it flat? It's a it's a flat one-time fee. Okay, uh, cool. So this is, uh, and as soon as this is recouped, um, you know, you're, you're, you're back in control okay. of your rights. So it's a, cool. it's very, very um, effective. Uh, there's not a lot of paperwork to go through. Um, yeah. That's a typical amuse thing, by the way. Our license deals, I think, are three and a half pages long. Um, <laughs> we, wow. we operate, we operate uh, with the assumption that a lot of this stuff can be written in plain uh, language and doesn't have to be so so damn complicated. Sorry for the curse. Just want to give you a hug oh. through the screen right now for being know, a champion. Like, uh, hey, <laughs> so great. It uh, <laughs> it also seems like, if I understood correctly, you don't have to be that indie artist that is almost a big artist to be able yeah. to be a part of Fast Forward. Like this scales to any level. If you're, you know, yeah. going to make five hundred dollars over the next six months, or if you're going to yeah. make five hundred thousand dollars over the next six months it's to scale with where you're at as an artist yeah and and vance i think i think all of us have to check ourselves a little bit um you know there are artists out there who for who 150 bucks makes all the difference mm-hmm. uh, i don't want to speculate about their life situation but you know mm-hmm. maybe 150 bucks is what takes them through this month and gets yeah. them to the next month and, you know, that might sound harsh or whatever, but it's the reality of a lot of people. And, and you know, in some <clears> countries, 150 bucks is way more than it is in Nashville or in Austin or in mm-hmm. New York. The building this was to not judge on stuff like that. Like, yeah. you know, it's not it's not up to us to decide if people want to get 150 bucks forwarded or not, because. Mm-hmm. To some people, that makes all the difference. But, uh, you know, it also makes sense to someone who's way, way bigger. We've already done deals north of 100,000. And, um, you know, it makes sense for someone who, one of these cases for someone who really wants to renovate their studio. And they need, they need to get that chunk of money immediately mm-hmm. to be able to do so. And 
you know, maybe in their life, $100,000 makes sense for a studio investment. And in other cases, you know, 150 bucks is what they need to, to be able to do whatever they need to do. So I think that, that, um, the difference between those, um, those amounts just highlight what it is that we're trying to accomplish here, which is to put money in the pockets of, um, of talent for whatever needs they have. And we're not putting words in their mouths in terms of, you know, what they would need the money for, but it's, it's turning out to be a really, really good, um, um, product it's it seems to be very uh, well received and and yeah we're super optimistic about it that's awesome so let's talk about uh artists that because i think when i saw you at first it's funny because I, I think i thought about you guys in reverse where i thought uh <laughs> like oh you're a distribution platform that also serves <laughs> artists where it seems more like you're really a label that offers this amazing service to independent artists yeah. and so in terms of using the data, picking artists you want to sign or offer these deals to, what are you guys looking for? Like, what is that relationship with the artist that Amuse is trying to sign? No, that's, that's a, that's a good question. And I, you know, I get back to that ever so often when I'm talking to artists or talking to anyone else who might be interested in, it. but I don't think people have gotten a little bit confused about what music data is. You know, you, um, you have all of these companies that are scraping a lot of information from SoundCloud or Spotify charts or whatever it could be. And they're looking at absolute numbers most of the time. And they're looking at uh, publicly available information. Amuse trades in that type of information too, of course, like we all do. And I'm sure there's some A&R scouts sitting at some fancy major somewhere looking at a song that blew up from 20 to 30,000 and then to 40,000 and then to 50,000. And based on that, they probably get super excited. Um, and that's great. You know, that, that tells parts of the story about why a song is growing or why it's, why it's going places. Amuse digs way, way, way deeper than that. There's many more stories to be told in this super granular information we're getting from all of these different types of uh, distribution services. And that information could tell us stuff like, how are people listening to this? Did it originate from someone searching for this? Or did it originate from a big playlist that someone's pushing down your throat or mm -hmm. did they listen to it repeatedly? Did they save the song? Did they save it on the first time, second time, third time? Did it, what, what is going on here? Mm -hmm. What demographies are driving the growth, et cetera, et cetera. And I think if all you're doing is looking at these absolute numbers of growth on all of these uh, platforms, um, you're missing out on the stories. And Amuse is basically just going through all of these services or rather little data is. And then Lil Data is presenting that information to us. So we're just, all of our teams are working in Lil Data. All of them are looking at it. There's a bunch of really cool reports and, and dashboards and whatnot that are showing how things are, are, are changing and progressing. And based on that information, we initiate their relationship with the artist. I mean, it's not just because all of this uh, uh, data is available to us. That doesn't take away the fact that a record company is a human business. It's a human to human business. It's a relationship business. And um, that's when the next step of our business starts, which is, you know, now we know a lot about this artist and a lot about its audience, most importantly. Um, now, what does this guy want to do or this girl? Uh, where do they want to take this? What are their plans? How do they feel about their music career, et cetera, et cetera. And, and that's, that's when we kick into second gear and start to work the artist um, in, a, in a joint project. So there's a lot of that data storytelling underneath the absolute numbers, which is what keeps us up at night. And, and I think that's one of the coolest aspects. I feel very confident in saying that we have the best data capabilities anywhere in the music industry. I am 100% sure of that. That's awesome.
It certainly sounds like it. And it, it sounds like y'all have done the work up front to remove a lot of the guesswork that other traditional labels go through. Like, well, we don't know. They're, the streaming numbers are good, so but we'll figure out if this is marketable or whatnot. And you've, you're going so much deeper than that to ensure success for yourself when you so choose. No, I mean, uh, seriously, <laughs> let's be honest here. <laughs> a lot of artists have been signed. They show up with super inflated numbers. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to dig into the details of that, but it's possible to generate a ton of streams without having anyone listen to your song. And <laughs> yeah. you, know, you, you can walk into an A&R office and be like, yo, you know, listen to this <laughs> uh, or look at this. And then you sign the contract and you stop investing in fake streams and suddenly, you know, there's nothing there. Yeah. Uh, so if you don't understand what's going on under the hood, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, then you might be in for a very, very bad surprise. And we know of, Tons of instances like that. And I'm not, I'm not talking about risk mitigation in, in what we do. Risk mitigation is obviously a part of it, but we're, we're opportunity driven. We're trying mm-hmm. to find the positive stories in this, which will reinforce why we want to work with this talent. So, but I, if I was looking at absolute numbers, there's no way for me to risk mitigate. Like, what am I going to find the absolute numbers to tell me what's going on under there? Right. Brilliant. Uh, so this is less specifically about Amuse and more just because everything that you have done has uh, been pretty global uh, in terms of projects you've worked on, companies you've worked for. For What's your advice for artists that want to think outside of their own town or their own country that are like, man, I really wish I could go to Sweden, but I don't have any audience in Sweden or yeah. any these different places. Do you have any advice for the artists that it's like, hey, we have a lot of technology. You might be a new artist. You know, you might not know where like maybe you don't hit hard in New York, but maybe you go yeah. to Germany, but you've never yeah. been to Germany and Germany loves you. Like, is there advice for artists that want to think a little bit bigger than outside their bubble? No, I mean, uh, one of the things that I I come back to many times is I read this piece at some point, and it was this idea of how to build fan bases. Maybe it's like a Seth Godin's thing or something like that. But it was like it was this idea about hardcore fans and and how to build those and, and develop that. Thousand true time. fans. Yeah, is, is it that one? I, think I it's am that. paraphrasing all up the wazoo here. <laughs> so, you know, stop me if I'm completely uh, messing this one up. But the idea being, you know, foster your hardcore fans, and you know, you find one of them in Sweden or one guy finds your music in Germany and you start to build that army around that fan. You mm-hmm. start to empower that, that fan um, through you know, whatever makes sense for you as an artist. And I think the worst thing that people do is to absolutely always generalize what artists should be doing. Like this is the social media strategy for artists. There's no such thing because it might be the masked Avenger who like never talks to his fans, but it's like the coolest guy on the internet or this really cool singer-songwriter dude who just wants to do individual gigs with all his fans on Skype. And there's nothing in between there seemingly when you listen to all of this advice. But I keep coming back to just the basics, which is foster your fan base. And if you get one play in Germany, uh, try to figure out who your German fans are. Ask your people on Instagram or whatever and try to interact with them in whatever way makes sense for you and then start building that audience. Um, And then one of the things that we want to do with our data going forward is to... um, kind of contextualize it so that you can make these types of decisions on on top of it. Uh, so this goes back to uh, goes back to our interest in assisting artists and I think data there's such an overflow of data. 
And uh, obviously, we're in the middle of that. We're collecting billions and billions of data points. And uh, I think that the, the key is, and, and that's why we built Little Data, of course, is to, is to build actionable data. <laughs> <laughs> every time. Up it's over funny every time. I just love that its so name is Little Data. I, what's your referred to it as? LD or something? So you no, no, I love it. Data. It's just awesome. <laughs> no, but I mean, Little Data was built um, to be a decision-making tool. Like, so here's this data, but like, what do we do with all of this data? A decision needs to be taken. And I think what we want to do with the uh, data and the app is to create stories like that, contextualize the data. So you're growing five days in a row in, in Germany, or you know what, you just had your first listen ever in Brussels. Um, what, it, what can you do with this information? I, that's the next iteration of, of uh, Amuse or, or of any data, I think. And um, I would be, I, I'm truly excited to see where something like that could go. Love that. Um, so are there any myths you want to debunk uh, in terms of Amuse, and I'll give a little context. I, when we were first talking about this the first time, I kind of hopped on the App Store. Sometimes I like to look for what people complain about. Uh, yeah. And most of the negative things I saw were people that had misconceptions about how things in music work uh, that really, from my perspective, have nothing to do with your platform and more of just how systems and operations of getting music from your computer to a platform uh, right. actually happen in the time and the process and requirements that go through that. Uh, so are there any like big misconceptions that people have or things people keep asking that you're like, that's not what this is, or that's not how this works that you just kind of want to like clear the air on for people? <laughs> I don't know if there's so much air clearing that needs to be done, but I think it's, um, we made a very conscious decision early on, which was, you know, we want to we want to take in the music from everyone in the world. We're going to make this service free. Uh, those decisions that we made back then required, on our end, to be insanely succinct in like how we explain what Amuse does. Incredibly clear in how we explain our FAQ pages. Fantastically, you know, good at responding to customer support or whatever it could be, but. It's human interaction. It's, uh, you know, some, from time to time, a pretty tricky thing. And we're operating on a global scale, which means that, you know, we might have a guy from Hungary who doesn't speak English, who's mm -hmm. using the service for the first time. And it's the first time he's ever encountered the music industry. And there's a ton of stuff that you need to know to get your music into Spotify. Spotify actually isn't so much of the challenge. Apple Music have the hardest style guides anywhere on the planet. And they enforce them rigorously. And seemingly in a way that really suits the music industry of 1997 uh, because a lot of stuff has happened since 97 you know there's a there's this huge do-it-yourself market where people don't necessarily have you know a fantastic um uh, photo that they took in a photo studio shot by herb ritz you know they don't necessarily have um uh, mastered for itunes type of a production maybe it was done on a phone for god's sake you know and these changes are something that we embrace, but it's a little bit challenging when you're trying to get um, artwork taken with a phone, um, song recorded on uh, on headphones with a cable. No names mentioned here, but you know, um, you have <laughs> damn Diego, uh, <laughs> damn. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that was cold. Sorry, sorry about that. Uh, you have YouTube beats that you just straight up 
you know, didn't ask for or, you know, whatever. And between those three elements, you have a fairly tough release that somehow is going to get from a, an, an artist into Apple. And that's going to encounter a ton of challenges. And, um, you know, we, we do our best to try to educate uh, people on how to do this. Um, but it's inevitable for us that we will run into situations where communication isn't perfectly clear for one way or another. In many cases, you know, our communication could probably be better. In some cases, the artist perhaps purposely misunderstands it or just un- misunderstands it, uh, you know. But, yeah, I, I see some frustration around that for sure. And, uh, you know, it's one of the things that we work really hard on on our end to try to improve our customer operations uh, so that we're always ahead of the game. We're always clear. We're always good. We're always all of these things. Um, but it's it's something that's um, over time um, proven to be a very challenging task. And, you know, <laughs> we made a table here. We just have to sit down and eat. So, uh, you know, we will just have to deal with whatever is on the table, I guess. Totally fair. And I think if I'm trying to think of if there's anything else that we need to clear the air on. But I think the the one thing that I keep coming back to, which has been absolutely super challenging for us has been to try to convince people of the fact that there is no hidden agenda here. Uh, <laughs> the Illuminati is not involved in a master. <laughs> we are not actively trying to steal your master rights. Yeah. We don't have a secret agenda. You can read our paperwork. There's not a, a you know, secret uh, invisible ink on that paper. Uh, you know, you it's cut like... Cut your hand open and bleed on your MacBook. <laughs> yeah. <so> that... <laughs> You know what I mean? I think that's the biggest misconception about Amuse is why is this free to use and what is the catch? Mm. And there is no catch. There is no right of first refusal. There is no option that allows us to just poach you as soon as you start to grow. There is nothing like that. I 100% swear on my everything that that is the God honest truth. So please... (laughs) Uh, don't misunderstand <laughs> that. <laughs> Love that. All right. So you guys have essentially reinvented the wheel in terms of distribution, rethinking how a label should look, function, work. Outside of what you guys are doing, is there what other parts of the music industry would you love to see some advances in? Would you love to see people embracing technology, embracing just some future ideas compared to sticking with what's what they've done for as long as they've done it because that's how they've done it? Like, what else needs improvement in the music world? Well, I, that's a great question, and I think I think people tend to simplify what it is that we're doing. I, I'm not saying you just did, but you, you, when you think about a record company, the, the stuff that kind of pops into your head is working with artists, marketing the artists. And people don't understand how much more is going on at a record company. And uh, we do. And when we started the company, those were some of the things that we paid a lot of attention to and spent a lot of time on. So two of the most obvious examples are um, accounting and contracts. They're pretty tied to each other, obviously. But you know, the complexity in these contracts creates these insanely long negotiation cycles. Um, Basically, they guarantee that the artist has no clue what's going on uh, in the contract. It opens up all of these horrendous black holes where money just seemingly disappears or at least never ends up in the artist's pockets. And I think they are probably the base of most of the frustration ever in the music industry. 
And it's very, very closely tied to item number two, which is then accounting. Because when you're going to do accounting for a contract like that, <laughs> you know, you got to be, a, you know, third degree Jedi, you know, whatever master <laughs> yeah. to even be able to understand whose money is where, you know, I've mm-hmm. heard horror stories about people going to a, bringing their accountants or whatever to a major. And they're like, Five million dollars is missing, and the major would be like, "What do you mean, like five million? That's crazy." <laughs> but no, we like, took you to dinner. We took you to dinner. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, but I think you know, between those two things, can you even start to comprehend how much of that you could cut away if mm-hmm. you just automated parts of those things, or if you just streamlined, you know, uh, contracts, for example. Um, so when we started Amuse, those were two things that were central to us. First, create like a um, accounting system that didn't require like a, a bunch of humans, but that can only work if you have a, a, a legal or contract system um, that is based on the idea that most contracts will look the same. There aren't so many variables. It's not. There's not a bunch of like weird, you know, discounts or exceptions or whatever it could be. And and so we've we've done both of those two things. We have um, the the best license deal in the market. Um, every time we send it to American artists that we want to sign their lawyers come back with, you know, a 35 page markup on a three page contract. And we're like, what, <laughs> what are all these words? <laughs> kind of bad words, but it's truly, truly working against your artists. I've had American artists um, negotiate against the artist's will for the sake of negotiating. You know, it's like, it's crazy. Um, so those are those are two of the main things in the music industry that would create a system where the overhead doesn't have to be as intense. So you wouldn't have to have a floor of lawyers at a major, a floor of accountants, because you know parts of this stuff was automated. And that mm-hmm. it sounds like a pretty strange thing to improve, but those improvements would then generate better artist contracts. It would generate more money to artists, and and I think that's. We, we, we started with that because we, we knew that that was going to be one of the big pain points and one of the items um, for which artists would be very unhappy. And I think that that was one of the keys for us initially to, to try to um, reduce that risk going forward and to create a very, very streamlined process. Love it. I know we're getting close to the end of time and we are grateful for your time, so we don't want to take you too long. I've got two last questions, if that's oh. cool with you. Yeah, of course. These should be pretty quick ones. Number one, artists that you guys are signing, anybody we should be on the lookout for, anybody you're excited about that has been signed through a muse that we should just have our eyes out for. So I, I just got to give a, a, a big shout out to this guy, Ryan Celsius. Um, he's a YouTube phenomenon. He works in the space of internet music. Um, I have to be, honest with you going into this i didn't know what internet music was um there's a there's this huge space of um this incredibly cool music uh, that's being created it's very closely tied to uh, um creative uh, or, or or videos visuals rather um and um, that's a whole world that i'm fascinated by right now that has generated a, a bunch of really cool signings for our muse um one of them would be this kid from new jersey for example monte data 
um, which you know plays well with the whole amuse ethos, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was yeah. non-intentional. And a little data going on tour. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Little data found monte data. Uh, no, um, so yeah, I would I would say that I'm I'm definitely the most excited about uh, the internet music genre. We've had a lot of success in hip hop, and uh, but I I think that uh, we're seeing tremendous growth in that genre it's consumed all over the world they have fans all over the world and it's it's a music genre that's definitely flying under the radar and um if i could urge you to go check something out it would be that i'm definitely going to check that out because i honestly have no idea what internet music is and i'm excited (laughs) to learn something new today (laughs) very good uh and unless tom has something else last thing we want to know is there anything up next for Amuse, anything that we missed about Amuse, anything you want people to know that we forgot to ask, what uh, what's on the forefront other than just straight growing and getting into the hands of every independent artist out there? So, I mean, I said this before the interview, so I might as well say it now, too. I, I, I was completely blown away by how you guys explained Amuse. So I don't know if there's so much more explaining to be done about what Amuse <laughs> is, so thanks a lot for that. But, um, for. but I... <laughs> <laughs> but I guess what's what's next for me is, you know, the, the big thing that's next for me is, is just continued growth um, to to be closer to more artists. So that means uh, expansion into more markets. We have a team in Bogota now in Colombia, which are, you know, incredible exporters of music and between Jay Baldwin, who's one of the biggest artists on Spotify, mm-hmm. um, between, you know, a Maluma or a Shakira or Carlos Vives or whatever it could be. They, they are really, really good at exporting music. So we set up a team in, in Bogota. We have operations in the U.S., we have operations in Europe, and I think for us it's uh, one of the big steps going forward is to, to really build on that uh, global footprint that we already have. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to that, we're building a bunch of really cool technology. That's what we do. That's uh, you know We wake up every day and build really cool technology. So there's a bunch of cool stuff on the horizon, uh, stuff that are going to be um, um, facilitating the life for artists. Um, that's, you know, that's where we come from. That's what we're continue going to continue to build. So uh, a couple of cool features are going to be coming up very, very soon that are definitely going to going to assist artists. Love it. Very cool. Love it so much, man. Diego, you're awesome. Your company's awesome. Thanks. Dude, thank <laughs> you for taking the time, man. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks a lot. Been awesome. We will see you guys next week. Pew, pew. Thanks. Thanks.